It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, welcome to the start of another series in Daily Thunder. I'm actually really, really excited about this one. I think if you would crack me open down the middle and say, okay, Nathan, what is at your heart? It'd probably be this this whole series. And if you've ever come through Ellerslie, I'm constantly talking about this concept because for me, when God began to awaken me to this idea about 15 years ago, it has so revolutionized my thinking and my, my living that it just kind of sneaks out in just about everything I do. Rarely a week goes by where I don't ponder the concepts that we're gonna be talking about in this series. So we're gonna be talking about this idea of the intimacy of knowing. And so for this first session, what I wanna do is something probably a little odd, and and if you're looking at communication, this is probably not the right thing to be doing in terms of communication, but I wanna lay a foundation. And what I really wanna focus on is this idea of knowing some Greek. Now, a Greek, now again, there's nothing special about you know, having a fluent understanding of Greek. It does help you understand the New Testament. But the reason I even wanna walk through this is so that you can begin to have some terminology that then we can bring into the scriptures and begin to see where this is applied. So I decided it'd be fun for this session to walk through three different Greek words. Now, these three words are kind of some different usages of the same word that we would translate knowledge or knowing something. Now, before we even get going on this idea, I just need to refresh your, your memory here. The Bible was not written in English. Every English translation you have is a translation. So the New Testament was written in Koine Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And just like if you've ever studied other languages, well, other languages are not English, right? So when you're translating into English, sometimes you've got to you know, pick one word or a couple of different words to make it make sense. Now, here's the problem with Greek and English. Same thing's true about Hebrew and English. English is a really thin language. Uh, we have, for example, one word for the word love. I mean, we have the word like, but really we have one word for the word love. Whereas the Greeks had four different words for the word love. So based on how they wanna talk about love, they could talk about it in different ways. And yet we would just say, well, yeah, I love pizza and I love goldfish and I love God and, and I love my mom and I love my truck. And, you know, we, we use the same word. And hopefully we don't mean that we love God the same way that we love our goldfish, right? Hopefully we don't love pizza the same way that we would love our spouse, right? Hopefully those are different. And yet we only have one word to convey that idea. So again, Greek, it's interesting that Greek is a very thick or a deep language, whereas English is a very thin language. In fact, the Greeks, just for fun, used to sit down at the street corners and debate philosophy, but it's because they had a language that was deep enough that they could do that in. Well, again, I want to walk through three different words for the word knowledge or knowing something, and I want to kind of give some different expressions and kind of different understandings of, of knowing these three words of knowing so that we can use them in these next sessions talking about this concept in scripture. So let's dive into this. The first word for the word knowledge or knowing something is the Greek word nostos. Now the word nostos is this idea of facts, data, information. It's knowing something, but how do you know it? Well, I know it because I've read it. I know it because, oh, I, 
I, I saw it on a billboard. I, I know it because, well, I read it in a textbook. I picked up a piece of newspaper and there was a headline. That's kind of the idea here. So if you're, if you're driving down the road and you see a speed limit sign, hey, you know the speed limit, but how do you know the speed limit? Well, you know it because you saw a sign. Uh, I'm making this up, but say, say the headline of the newspaper today was that the president had tea with the queen. See, I've never met the president. Uh, I, I've never met the queen. I've tried, but I've never met the queen. So how do I know that the president had tea with the queen? Well, I, I read it. It was just facts. It's data. It's information. Uh, the word Gnosticism actually comes out of this word. But again, it's just, it's, it's head knowledge. It's, it's informational. So again, Gnostos, that word, is this idea of facts, data, and information. Now, let me give you a passage in scripture where this word shows up. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Now, Peter is speaking about Judas. He's, he's in the upper room and he says this. Now, this man, Judas, purchased a field with the wages of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. Sorry, this is so gruesome. And it became known, that's our word, it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is the field of blood. So imagine this scene. Here's Peter. He's in the upper room. They're in the first business meeting of the early church. And Judas had just gone out and hung himself. And Peter stands up and says, hey, we need to replace this position of apostle because Judas had died. And Peter says that everyone in Jerusalem knew about what happened to Judas. Now, here's a question. How did they know? Did, did everyone in Jerusalem know Judas personally? No. Obviously, that doesn't even make sense. Because this is during the holiday season, right? This is between Passover and Pentecost. And, and the amount of people that were in Jerusalem at this time would often quadruple. I mean, we're talking in a massive amount of people. So surely not every person had ever met Judas. Well, then how did they know that Judas went out and hung himself? Well, that's easy, right? That morning, everybody went out to their front porch and lying on there was Jerusalem Times. And they opened it up and there it said a big headline, Judas went out and hung himself. Entrails gushed out. There's a little diagram picture that someone drew, right? Right? It's horrible. So, hey, how did they know that? Well, they didn't know it because they saw it. They didn't know it because they knew him. They knew it because it was facts, data, or information. So again, that's this idea of nostos. Nostos is knowledge or knowing something, but how do I know it? Well, it's I read it. It's informational. It's facts. It's data. It's two plus two is four kind of stuff. So that's the first word for the word knowledge. Now, the second word in the Greek for the word knowledge or knowing something is the Greek word oida. Now, oida is fascinating because it has this idea of understanding or perception. What's interesting about this word, it actually has this idea of sight associated with it. Uh, several times in the Gospels, it would say something like, Jesus saw that individual, and it uses this word oida. And it doesn't mean that they, he saw as much as he saw right? That there was this perception. There was this understanding. Uh, just like you could look at somebody that you know really well and you can perceive, you can know something about the person because of what you physically see. But it's not that you physically see it as much as you just know it. Do you see it? <laughs> so it's this idea, again, of perception, understanding. So let me give you a passage in scripture where this idea shows up. It's in John chapter 14, verse 6. Thomas comes to Jesus and says, Lord, we do not oida where you are going. And how can we oida the way? Now, get this idea. Thomas has been with Jesus 
for three years. This is at the very end of the ministry. They're in the upper room having the last meal. And here is Thomas. He looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, we have no clue what you are doing. We have no perception. We have no understanding. We just, hey, we don't see it. So Jesus, what on earth are you doing? Now listen to how Jesus responds. He says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if I was Jesus, I would have looked at Thomas and just went, oh, Thomas, 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 you've been with me for three years. Get a clue. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus looks at Thomas and says, Thomas, do you want the perception? Do you want the big picture? Do you want to see what's going on? Jesus says, I am it. Hey, Thomas, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That, that the whole totality of this thing is wrapped up in me. If you want life, it's in me. You want truth, it's in me. Hey, you want to know the way? I'm it. So Jesus is saying, hey, I am the totality of what your perception and understanding is. Thomas, I know you're clueless. <laughs> Thomas, I know you're one french fry short of a Happy Meal. But let me clue you in on this thing, buddy. I'm it. Isn't that a great idea? So again, we have nostos, which is facts, data, and information. We have oida, which is this idea of perception and understanding. Now, let me give you the third word in Greek for this idea of knowledge or knowing something. And truth be told, it's probably my all-time favorite Greek word. Here we go. It's the word gnosko. Now, it's interesting that gnosko, again, nostos is facts, data, information. Oida is perception and understanding. Gnosko, it's interesting because gnosko is knowing something, but you know it because you've experienced it or it's relational. In other words, it's, it's an intimate kind of an understanding. It's not just I read it in a newspaper, I experienced this thing. So let me give you an illustration. And maybe it's one of my favorites. But years ago, I was driving down this road and I saw a sign and it said 35 miles an hour. Now, if you came up to me and said, Nathan, what is the speed limit on that road? I would have said, oh, that's easy. I nostosed it. It was 35 miles an hour. I read it. Now, one particular day, I was driving down that road and I looked in my rear view mirror and I was so excited because there was like this party going on behind me. You know, lights were flashing, music was playing. And I was like, this is exciting. There is this vehicle that's like a party vehicle following me with lights and music. And I said, you know what? I should probably pull over the side of the road so I could participate in this party. So I pulled over the side of the road and could you imagine, here is a man in a full party uniform and he had a party hat and he came over to the side of my car. He knocked on my window and said, sir, I would love to invite you to my party, but I'm going to need to see some proof. So if you could give me your license and registration, I, I will let you participate in this party. And I was like, absolutely. I, I, of course I want to participate in the party. So I dug around, I got my license and my registration and he took those and he went back to the party vehicle and he did something on a computer. And do you know what he did? This was so cool. He came back and he gave me a yellow piece of paper that certified that I got to participate in the party. And I got to pay $247 to participate in that party. Isn't that awesome? Man, that was awesome. Now you come up to me and say, Nathan, hey, what's the speed limit on that road? I'd say 35 miles an hour. And you're like, well, how do you know that? Did, did you see a sign? I know it because I've experienced it. That this thing, it goes beyond just mental intellect. This goes beyond just seeing information. 
I have experienced the speed limit. In fact, I've got, I got a yellow piece of paper with proof that I got to participate in that party. See, that's this idea. Wouldn't it be interesting if, if we could have that with Jesus? That it wasn't just information about Jesus. What if we could have intimacy with Jesus? That really is the idea here. Uh, let me give you several passages in scripture where this idea comes up. It's interesting that this word gnosko is used not just to know something infer, uh, experientially, it's also used as a way to talk about the intimate form of relationship between a husband and his and the wife. That it's that kind of knowledge, that kind of knowing, that kind of intimacy. Uh, look at a couple of these passages. In, in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Gabriel comes to Mary and says, Woo, you're a child! And Mary responds to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Now, obviously, what Mary is not saying is, What? What's a man? C- could you point one out to me? I've, n- I've never seen one before. See, obviously, that's not what's going on in the passage. What Mary is saying is, well, how is this going to happen? I, I've never been with a man. I've never been intimate with a man. That's the idea. In fact, again, this word is used later on in, uh, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. In the story, Joseph is told that, uh, let me just read it. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him his wife. But he did not know her, that's the word, gnosko, till she brought forth her firstborn son. And he named his name Sorry, excuse me, Jesus. That think about this idea. Joseph did not gnosko Mary until after Jesus was born. They were not intimate. Now that's one way the word is used, but as you walk through scripture, again, it's this idea of knowing something experientially or through relationship or or intimately. One of my favorite passages is John 17, verse 3. And Jesus asks or is talking about eternal life. Before we read the passage, have you ever wondered what eternal life actually is? Have you ever just sat there and goes, what what actually is eternal life? Jesus tells us the answer in John 17, verse 3. This is what Jesus says. This is eternal life, that they might gnosko you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do 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 you know what eternal life is? Eternal life is getting wrapped up in intimacy and relationship with Jesus. See, eternal life is not knowing facts and data and information about Jesus. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. And in fact, when you look at the modern evangelism, it's actually quite sad because evangelism today has been dumbed down to the level of a true and false test. Uh, you walk up to somebody and say, hey, do you believe that Jesus died upon a cross? True. Uh, do you believe that he uh, rose again? True. Uh, do you believe that he ascended into heaven? True. Woo! Congratulations! You're a Christian. That actually doesn't make you a Christian. Could you imagine walking up to Satan? Satan, did Jesus come to earth? True. Uh, did he die upon a cross? True. Uh, did he rise again? Ugh, true. Did he ascend into heaven? True. Woo! Congratulations! You're a Christian. See, that it doesn't work that way, folks. See, doing a true and false test and having information about Jesus does not make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian? Relationship, intimacy, oneness with the king of the universe. And if you have this, whoa, you're in. Congratulations. If you don't have this, I'm sorry, friends. We cannot call you a Christian. In fact, I love what Matthew chapter 7 says. Jesus is talking and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but is he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Now, before we go any further, (laughs) let me ask you. If you saw an individual who was proclaiming Jesus, who was prophesying, casting out demons, doing miracles and wonders and signs, wouldn't you look at them and go, wow, super Christian. I mean, that is, wow, that's amazing. But listen to what Jesus says to these individuals. They have all these religious activities. They have all this stuff going on. But this is what Jesus says. And then I will declare to them, I never gnoskoed you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's a scary passage. That when you start to think about this idea that here are these people who knew the right answers, who are actually living and doing the activities of a Christian. And yet at the end result, at the judgment seat of Christ, what when, when they were standing before Jesus, Jesus said, yeah, you've done all this stuff, but you and I never had relationship. You and I never were intimate with one another. You and I were, were, never, were never experiencing life together. I'm sorry, you've got to go. You have actually practiced lawlessness and now you're going to be judged. That, that's a scary passage to me. See, Christianity is not, well, how many years have you spent going to church? Now you should go to church if you're a Christian. But just because you go to church doesn't mean you're in. See, it's not, well, I taught Sunday school and I did Bible quizzing and, and I gave the preacher $50. You, sh- you should do those things. But that's not what allows you to get in. Well, what gets you in? Relationship intimacy, oneness with the living God. See, what if we could have that with Jesus? See, what's interesting about this word gnosko is that it just, it never grows dull. It never becomes mediocre. It it only expands. It gets bigger and better and better as the time goes on. Have you ever seen a cute old couple? Ah, I don't know about you, but I love cute old couples. In fact, I can't wait to become a cute old couple. I mean, I just, I just love, I love cute old couples. I love watching cute old couples. Isn't it interesting that when you see a cute old couple, it's like these two individuals have spent so much time together that it's like they have their own language. It's like they don't even have to talk to each other. He just can look at her and she can look at him and somehow they can have this full conversation without saying a word. And if you're sitting there, you're like, "Uh, what just happened? Haven't you ever noticed that with cute old couples, they start to, again, they start to talk like each other. They start to act like each other. They start to look like each other. See, that's this idea that they've been spending so much time together wrapped up in relationship and experience and and intimacy that they just can't help themselves. They they start to act and talk and look like each other. Now, look at all three of those words. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had all three of those with Jesus? That there's nothing wrong with the academics. There's nothing wrong with the information. Hey, you you should study the word. You you should come and and read this thing and study it and memorize it and and, and just live your life in this this book. But if that's all you have, you're missing out on something. And again, it's not that academics is bad. It's just, it's insufficient. Hey, wouldn't it be neat if you had a perspective, an insight, a sight, an understanding of Jesus? Like Thomas, where he says, Lord, I have no clue. And Jesus says, I'm it. Wouldn't it be neat if we knew that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. But perhaps most importantly, what if you and I could have this with Jesus? What, what if you and I actually could have relationship and intimacy and, and oneness with the living God? 
See, what if it wasn't just about coming to church and doing the things and, and doing the duties? What if we could get wrapped up in relationship and intimacy with him? See, this is eternal life, says Jesus. And this is what I want for you desperately, desperately, desperately. Now, what we're going to be doing in these upcoming sessions is we're going to take all of that and actually come into scripture and apply it. So though hopefully this was helpful for you, it's actually going to be insufficient. So I am baiting you. I'm begging you to watch the other sessions because it's really going to help you understand the essence of the Christian life. So again, nostos, oida, gnosko. Let's take all of that and apply it into scripture. So join me in the next session as we do that. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.